Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Whatever it is that's been bugging you, bothering you, hadn't been right in your life, it is overcomable. It is conquerable, but not in your own strength. You'll need help. And thank the Lord with, uh, for the believer, there is help. Hallelujah. There's the greater one, there's strength. So get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Turn everything else off. Just pause everything else for the next few minutes and give the Lord your full attention. Come on into the classroom. That's why we keep this uh, seat empty here. We, we save it for you. Come on into here with us and let's release faith. Father, all of us agree together, asking you for the anointing, asking you for the utterance, asking you for the guidance, for the direction, for open eyes, ears, heart, mind, so that we can see and know and, and receive. Asking you for answers for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with us again in the scriptures to Hebrews, the uh, third chapter. And then I think we'll be going over to 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, Hebrews 3 and then 1 Corinthians 10. We've been on a subject for some weeks now that we're calling overcoming unbelief. And you'll find that that is one of the... Uh, most serious enemies you have in this life. And it is uh, no one is going to wind up in hell because of lying, stealing, adultery, murder. You might say, really? Mm -mm. Because the Lord paid for all those sins. Every one of them. You might say, well, then they, they won't wind up there. Yeah, they will if they don't believe, if they don't receive Jesus as Lord of their life. If, if a person, a man or woman, persists in hardness of heart and unbelief, it can rob them of heaven. One of the biggest thieves you'll ever hear anything about is unbelief. The thief of unbelief. Uh, we've been studying about the first generation of Israelites that were delivered out of Egyptian bondage. They were robbed of the promised land. They were robbed of Canaan's land. They, their fathers, their father's fathers, for hundreds of years, had been the property of other people, slaves. They didn't own their own house. They didn't own their own property. They didn't have their own things. They were property. And God, 
<laughs> when there was no way Egypt was letting them go. There was no way they could have delivered themselves, but God remembered his covenant. Hallelujah. With Abraham. And to the day that God told him he would deliver him, 430 years, to the day, he brought them out. He brought them out. And they knew something that their fathers and fathers' fathers had never known. Drawing a breath of air as a free man, free woman, and not, not just loose with money. They got money. And they're on their way to land that God has handpicked for them. Chosen by God. And he said, you're going to have houses you didn't build. You're going to have vineyards and orchards you didn't plant. And he said, it's not, it's not like that dry country you came out of and whether, you know, everything had to be irrigated. And if you got, you know, just a little bit away from the river, it's nothing but desert. No, he said, the place I'm taking you to, it's a beautiful place. Hills, valleys, I rain on it. I take care of it. And that whole first generation of Israelites, I don't know, million, two million people were robbed of that. They never enjoyed it. They never lived there, even though it was the will of God. They never enjoyed the houses, the vineyards. Why? Tell me what robbed them, class. What, what robbed them of it? You say, well, it was, it was the enemy. No, it wasn't just the enemy because the next generation went in there and defeated the enemy. Well, it just wasn't God's will. It was certainly God's will. He told them. He gave it to them already. I've given it to you. Go get it. Go possess it. But they cried in their tents. They felt sorry for themselves. They blamed other people. And their unbelief robbed them of God's plan for their life, of God's best. That's what he's talking about. The reason I'm taking time to, to explain, that's what he's talking about here. When he says, watch out, take heed, don't let this happen to you. Say it out loud, by the grace of God, that's not going to happen to me. I will not be robbed by the thief of unbelief. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I'll accept your testimony. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Hebrews 3, did you find it? Hebrews 3, verse 7, he says, The Holy Spirit says today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, I just want to keep reminding you, this is not some obsolete something he's talking about. Are anybody hardening their hearts in the world today and not listening to the gospel and not listening to God. Oh, millions, millions are hardening their hearts. He said, uh, verse 10, I was grieved with that generation. They do always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they'll not enter my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 14, we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast 
to the end. While it said, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Verse 18, to whom swear he that they should not enter his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What kept them out, class? I know I'm being repetitious, but uh, we live in a society of where people won't take responsibility. You know, where if people grow up with a sense of entitlement, they think things are owed to them when they've done nothing. Just because they exist, something's owed to them. That's just not true. That's not reality. And then when it comes to not achieving and not reaching and not enjoying, so many times people immediately look, well, you didn't help me and you stood in my way and you didn't do this. How about you didn't believe? You were robbed because of unbelief. And this has happened many, many, many times. All over the planet, people are being robbed by the thief of unbelief. Uh, you know, Jesus said more than one occasion to his disciples when they didn't believe when they could have, he said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? That, that reveals they didn't have to. They could have gone another direction. We're not in control of everything that happens around about us. We're certainly not in control of everybody around us. There's a lot we're not in control of. But we are in control of what we believe. You are. It's a choice. We are completely in control of what we choose to believe. And that simple but ooh, powerful choice will either disconnect you from the power and ability and will of God, or it'll connect you <laughs> to the power and ability of God and help you. Just choosing to trust God immediately orients your focus to His will and, and gives God a right to begin to guide you and strengthen you and help you just making the choice to believe. It's like turning the lights on. <laughs> Remember Romans talks about to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it matter what your mind is on and what you look to and what you lock on? Hallelujah. Somebody say, God, God. my Father, my I choose to believe. I choose to believe, I choose to believe you. To believe in you. To trust you. And to follow you. Wholly. All the way. Completely. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The lights are getting brighter. Amen. Um, go with me to 1 Corinthians. 10th chapter, 1 Corinthians 10, and he talked about, like we saw yesterday, everything that happened with that first generation of Israelites, how they were under the cloud and went through the Red Sea and 
drank out of the rock. And verse 5, he said, but with, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. We just got through reading in Hebrews. They, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Now, these things are our examples. They're examples to us, to the intent that he goes and says we, we shouldn't lust or be idolaters or or commit fornication, or tempt Christ, or murmur. Verse 11, all these things happen to them as in samples and are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. All that we're given in the Old Testament, and you'll see this about Exodus is where this starts, and then uh, it, it completes you know, about uh, Deuteronomy, um, it's in Numbers, you know. Uh, this, we call it the Exodus and then the journeys of God's people in the wilderness until all the way into Joshua to where they got finally the next generation into the promised land. That's what he's talking about. This is not history only. It is accurate history. And uh, when the Lord says, you know, that they went through the, the Red Sea on dry ground, it's not symbolic. It's not figurative. It was a, a sea. And they went on dry ground. Now, you'll hear people, you know, they mock that. And I, some people try and explain it one time. And they say, well, you know. At certain times of the year, the water got real low right there, and so, you know, they could cross. It, wasn't, it was hardly, you know, knee-deep. Well, that's, that's a great miracle that a whole army drowned in knee-deep water, right? No, <laughs> it just doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? It either happened or it didn't. Mm -mm. It did happen. So let's go back to Exodus 14. Let's remind us. But what we're saying is it's not history only. The New Testament, Hebrews, 1 Corinthians we just read, said all these things are examples, living examples. These, these are real people we're talking about. They, they, they're gone from the earth now, but uh, what they did and, and how they thought and how they reacted uh, is held up as an example of us not to do. <laughs> Don't do this. Isn't that what he was saying in 1 Corinthians 10? Don't do that. Don't do that. Why would the Lord tell you? Don't do that. Unless, like Hebrews says, take heed. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. It, it, could the same thing happen to us? Let me read this to you from the, uh, uh, another translation or two. You, you go to Exodus 14. But what we just got through reading in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 11... Uh, verse 12 in the Living Bible says, so be, be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. He said, let this be a warning to you. The Message Bible said, these are all warning markers, danger, written down so we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They're at the beginning, we're at the end, and we're just as capable of messing it up as they were. So don't be naive and self-confident. <laughs> the more we learn about this, the quicker, like we said, we can identify it and eliminate it and not be uh, ignorant 
of Satan's devices and not be easily tripped up and fooled. In Exodus 14, when God brought them out of Egyptian bondage, and he got as far as the Red Sea, and we spent some time on this already, so if you weren't with us, go back to the previous lesson. Go to faithschool.org and uh, catch up. Uh, there's no charge. It won't cost you anything. But we saw how that uh, this is the first uh, account. There were ten, there's ten of them. This is number one at the Red Sea where they failed a major test. Because when Pharaoh and his army came bearing down on them and the Red Sea's in, you know, in front of them and Pharaoh's army's behind them, they lost it. They just went full-blown panic and uh, they said in Exodus 14, verse 10, When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. The Egyptians were marching after them. They were sore afraid. Granted, it's easy to, uh, to, to sit here, stand here in, in air-conditioned comfort in, in faith school and go, well, you know, well, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, you weren't there. Because <laughs> uh, they know. They didn't pull out the whole army for, for nothing. Pharaoh is there personally leading it. All his generals, they brought all the chariots. They got the horsemen. They got the footmen. They got their spears. They came to kill somebody. Well, who else is there? <laughs> Israelites, is that right? They are chafed. They are grief-stricken over the death of the firstborn throughout the nation. They are bitter about all the, the, the plagues and the country has just been brought to its knees. And then it just, it's dawned on them, uh, somebody's going to have to go to work because we got no, we got no labor we just let all of our labor leave. And they just, they went into a rage. And you can, you can feel that. You can sense that when they are, they're seeing these uh, horses and chariots and, and the cloud of dust that's kicked up. And I mean, you could feel the vibrations through the ground. And you hear them yelling and screaming there for blood. They are coming to slaughter them. Fear would try to grip you. Wouldn't it? You'd feel it. You'd feel it. But that's when you got to make a choice. One of the greatest things you'll ever learn is that you don't have to fear just because you feel afraid. Sit out loud. I don't have to fear. Just because I feel afraid. See, a, a feeling is not a choice. The scripture said, the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I what? I will fear no evil. In other words, I, I will not fear any kind of evil. Well, if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, reckon you would feel some stuff? Reckon it feels spooky out there? <laughs> huh? Reckon it feel, well, it's, it's, it's the valley of, of death. 
Death is around. You can feel it. You can smell it. Friends, in this world, you will be tempted to fear. And there are times it'll come on you just like somebody threw a quilt over you or something. And you it'll just hit you all at once. But that's when it is critical that you say, no, I refuse to fear. Fear, leave me in Jesus' name. Come on, I want you to try it out. Say, no. No. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. Fear? Fear. Leave me. Leave me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's the name above every name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah means praise the Lord. <laughs> and it is, he is to be praised because there's power in that to deliver you. They didn't do that. They didn't look to God and say, hold on now. God delivered us from all those other things and he got us out here this far. He didn't get us out here to kill us. Uh, Lord, deliver us. Lord, we trust you. No, that never came out of their mouth. What did come out of their mouth was uh, crying because they were sore afraid. In verse 11, they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt? That you've taken us to die in the wilderness? They are failing a major test of their trust. And it's their choice. They could have done something differently. They could have believed in God. They could have trusted Him. Even through feeling all the fear, the yells of the army behind them, the feeling of the vibrations of the ground looking like there's no way out. This is the proverbial between the rock and the hard place. Could, is it possible that they could have done something else? Help me out, class. Is it possible? Could they have looked at Moses and said, okay, what do we do? What's God saying? Huh? Could they have been ready to trust God, to believe God? You wouldn't have to know that God's going to split the Red Sea. You wouldn't have to know how you're going to get out of it. All you got to do is choose to believe that God knows how, that he's got a plan, and that he will take care of you. He's got you this far. He can get you the rest of the way. But they didn't do that. They just folded. They just flailed in fear and started blaming people. It's your fault, Moses. You should have never brought us out here. Well, you were pretty happy about being free this morning. Fickle. Unbelief is fearful. Unbelief is unthankful. Unbelief is disrespectful. Unbelief is unstable. Did you hear all this, class? There will be a test on this material. <laughs> Not the one I'm going to give you. There's one in life. <laughs> You'll be tested on this material in life. I said unbelief is fearful. Unbelief is disrespectful. Unbelief is unthankful. And unbelief is unstable. You see these things here. And so I'm going to give a list as we go through these of the 
uh, characteristics of, of unbelief. And if you'll make a, a mental list of these, then you can recognize it in yourself. When, you know, you're, you're acting fearful, you, can, you should realize that's the wrong choice. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. Forgive me, Lord. I trust you. Start talking faith, right? If you find yourself blaming somebody and being unthankful, say, quit that, quit that. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Come back. Get yourself back on the right track, on the faith track. So uh, anyway, without going into all of it, which we, we've gone into this quite a bit. You, you can go back, like I said, and see the previous lessons. Verse 14, he said, the Lord's going to fight for you. You hold your peace. And the Lord told him to go forward and lift up your rod and, and, and stretch it over the sea. And the Bible said a, a strong east wind came and, uh, and blew uh, for hours and hours and hours. And it pushed the waters, parted the waters. The wind parted the waters and pushed them. And the wind was apparently so cold that it froze the waters in that part. Because the scripture says they were congealed is the word it used. Now we've seen, we're down here in Florida, uh, we've seen when there was a big storm that the winds blew hard enough that big parts of Tampa Bay became uh, uncovered. And people walking around out there on the ground where boats were earlier. And that's just a storm that came through and pulled the water out. So to say that this couldn't happen, that's inconsistent with all kind of other meter, uh, weather issues. So this is exactly what happened. And when the wind blew, and it blew for hours and hours and hours and hours, and it must have been cold, and of course, just if the wind's blowing hard enough, that's a windshield that drops, drops the temp. And they went across. The Bible said on dry land. And the wall was, excuse me, the water was a wall on both sides, wide enough for two or three million people and all their livestock to trail across. And so Pharaoh and his army went in after them. And Dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> but uh, the Bible said the, the, the glory cloud came from the front, went to the back and got in between them and the Egyptians so that the Egyptians couldn't see. It was pitch dark, but it gave light <laughs> to God's people. Is God taking care of them or not? Can he still take care of his people today? And then God decided they were closing, closing the gap too fast, so he, he sent some angels and they took the wheels off the chariots. They just knocked the wheels off and they were dragging. And then he said, stretch. When, they, when all his people got out, he said, stretch your hand over. And the sea came back. And it was quiet. Still, no more yelling, no more screaming, no more ground pounding. The scripture said not one of them survived. Of God's enemies. Can God still triumph over his enemies today? Huh? Can he? If you, you and I will trust him and believe him and believe that he can.
He will. Our time's up again for today. Come back with us tomorrow. We're going to, get, we're going to see how God triumphs. Say it out loud. My God is more than enough for me. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.